Hello, my name is Michael Chesterman, one of the members here at Christ Church Liverpool. I'll give you a moment to settle your kids, go find your phone or Bible, whatever you will use to go through the passage today with us. We have been going through such an incredible series about just how captivating Jesus is. We have seen through Mark how Jesus loves, pursues, challenges, and engages with us. I know for me personally, it has been so rewarding and challenging to see Christ in a new way. And so I hope today you will see something new about Jesus, how he lovingly, willingly sacrifices himself to save each one of us. So Lord, I thank you so much for today, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you are here with us. May your spirit speak today as we look at what your son went through on the cross to set us free. May you reveal yourself to us in new ways. May you encourage us and strengthen us as only you can do, Lord. Fill us up today and may you open our ears to hear everything that you want us to hear and, and reveal to us who you are today. In your name I pray, amen. I am not sure how many of you have seen all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, starting with technically The Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton and ending with Avengers Endgame. If you weren't aware, that is a total of 23 movies over the course of 11 years. It is literally like a TV series in movie form. It is incredible. You get to see the characters grow and develop and the story leading you to this crazy battle. But don't worry, if you haven't seen it, I'm not gonna give away any spoilers. Everything from The Incredible Hulk released in 2008 to Avengers Endgame in 2019 had to be so thought out and precise. The creators had to know where they were wanting to take the story and bring the audience along over the course of that 11 year journey. What does this have to do with Mark 15? Well, much like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but on a much, much larger scale, God had been taking his people on a journey of over 2,000 years, all to get to this moment in Mark 15. You see, God created all things and made man in his image. However, man turned their back on God. As soon as that happened, sin came into the world and separated us from God. God's people were now distant from him. There was no way to be in relationship with him. We were unclean, deserving of death, and needed to be rescued. God knew what would need to happen from the beginning. An ultimate sacrifice to satisfy and complete the law. Something that would allow him to rescue his people forever. And that plan was Jesus. The Gospel of Mark focuses on the person of Jesus. We have seen throughout this series how captivating Jesus is for how he loves, challenges, engages with those around him, how he is willing to save each of us and wants to, that his pursuit is out of love, his obedience to the point of being betrayed and willingly brought before those who hate him. Mark 15 leads us to the point in time all creation had been waiting for. This is the part that the whole Bible has been leading up to. So as Doctor Strange in Avengers Infinity War says, we're in the endgame now. God has an endgame to relate to us. 
Though we are unclean and deserving of death, Jesus willingly sacrifices himself. And through some of the characters in Mark, shows us how everything that happens is the fulfillment of God's plan. The setting? It's the Jewish Passover. Everyone is here. It's the biggest Jewish event of the year. The characters, the religious leaders, they hate Jesus. Pilate, local governor. Barabbas, a violent criminal. Jesus, the son of God. And the centurion, a signed Roman soldier in front of Jesus. Now, last week, Daniel showed us how Jesus willingly went with the guards to go before the religious leaders. The religious leaders did not understand who Jesus is. They know the law, they practice it, they live it out, and know scripture inside and out, but they think that that's what saves them. But what they don't realize is that it can't save them. Nothing can. They will never be clean before God. And their lack of understanding is why they brought Jesus to Pilate. And it's demonstrated in verse 31, where they mock Jesus for saving others, but is unable to save himself. The religious leaders hated Jesus for telling them that they were wrong. Because of this hate, their end game was to have Jesus killed. They couldn't accept the fact that they needed Jesus to save them and couldn't do it themselves. How could they? After all, they did follow all the rules and all the laws and were righteous in their own eyes. Why would somebody who doesn't need to be saved want to be saved? Doesn't think that they want to be saved to be saved. Jesus willingly sacrificed himself to save everyone because we cannot do it, them, do it ourselves. The religious leaders miss this. They still want to do it themselves. That's why they hate Jesus. There was a time when I thought I was right and thought I knew how to live a good life. Even as a Christian, I thought it was okay to get drunk, to party, to do whatever I wanted, and God would forgive me and it would be okay. And still, I said I believed in God doing whatever I wanted. However, I actually never wanted him to rescue me or transform me. I never wanted him to be a part of my life. But how wrong I was because I wasn't willing to sacrifice my worldly pleasures to truly follow Jesus. Aren't we all like the religious leaders who thought they could save themselves but ended up hating Jesus, the servant king? Because all he wants to do is save us from ourselves. There's nothing else that can satisfy, nothing else that can save us except Jesus. What are you unwilling to give up in order to let Jesus save you? In order to get rid of this man that they hated for wanting to save them, the religious leaders take Jesus to Pilate, who has the authority to do what is unlawful for them. You see, the religious leaders may not have killed Jesus with their own hands, but they already killed him in their heart. Pilate is the Roman governor of that area and has judicial authority over Jesus' fate. Jesus willingly put himself in Pilate's hands by voluntarily going with the guards earlier. See, Jesus knows that he's in control. He knows what's about to happen. Pilate begins to question Jesus and asks, Are you the king of the Jews? 
Jesus responds so wisely, saying, you have said so. Then while all the accusations are flying at Jesus, he still remains silent. And this amazes Pilate. In verse 3, silent serves the speaker. To be silent is not lying. It is a choice to not reveal. By not offering a defense, it amazes Pilate. And also shows Jesus putting himself in Pilate's hands. You see, guilty men will, will choose to confess to avoid more punishment. And innocent people usually defend themselves and want to prove their innocence. Well, Jesus does neither and willingly allows Pilate to choose his fate. You see, Jesus is in control. He has been since the beginning, and nobody else knows that. It says in verse 10 that Pilate even perceives that Jesus was arrested out of envy, that Pilate sees an innocent man before him. But however innocent Jesus was in his eyes, Pilate caves to the pressure of the religious leaders and the crowd to have him executed. Pilate couldn't accept the truth of who Jesus is because of the social cost. He sees Jesus as good and right, but still doesn't choose him. Have you ever caved to sharing Jesus or talk about him because of those around you, because of the social cost? I know I have. And when I started to give up my worldly pleasures of drinking and partying and other things, I lost all my friends. Many of them accused me of taking advantage of them and much worse things. And I just decided that it wasn't worth living my life like this. All the accusations, all the things that were going on, it wasn't worth it. So I finally decided to follow Christ. My way wasn't working. I was miserable actually, trying to fill a void that I never could and saw how futile it was, and finally willing to give it up no matter what it cost me. Pilate wasn't there yet. He wasn't willing to let Jesus go because of the social cost. Pilate's end game to be done with this whole situation and to put Jesus in the hands of the people. He wants nothing to do with this. Which, at the time of the year, as I mentioned in the Passover, it's customary for this to happen, as we see in verse 6. And we see the options that Pilate presents to the people whose Jesus' hands are now in. We see the choice in verse 7 between Barabbas, a known revolutionary and murderer, daring an uprising, and Jesus, who misperceived as innocent, yet is still hated. The religious leaders wanted their endgame to be completed so badly that they stirred up the crowds. The religious leaders wanted Jesus to die. The guilty person deserving of death for his crimes is then set free. There was nothing for Barabbas to do but walk away into his freedom. This is the picture we start to get of who Jesus is when we believe in him. He takes our place and the punishment that each of us deserve. We are all Barabbas. We are guilty and ready to be sentenced to death until Jesus intervenes and takes our place. I wonder what happened to Barabbas. 
did it change him at all knowing somebody else went through the punishment that he should have got? Did he stick around to witness it? Did it change how he lived after it? We don't know. But what I do know is that in this moment, Jesus wants to rescue you. Are you willing to let him? The result of Jesus' obedience is to go through the sham of a trial to allow Barabbas, you, to be set free. Jesus set me free from a life that was once of trying to find comfort and drinking and parties and all the things that don't actually fill a void but just feel good. Now he is my comfort. He is the one who has set me free and it makes me want to live for him even more. I don't get drunk anymore. I don't do the things that I used to do because it isn't worth it because of what Christ has done. Jesus lovingly, willingly, and obediently goes to be beaten and flogged. He allows it to happen. And I mean brutally, painfully, all while being innocent, he endures it. This is one of the biggest injustices that has ever happened, and yet Jesus did it for you. He was mocked with the title and crown and robes that were deserving. And in verse 20 says, When they had mocked him, they tore off the purple robes and put his clothes back on and took him to be crucified. Jesus is the king, but a king who suffered for you. He suffered as a criminal to bear the punishment of our sin. This is why he was beaten, so you could be set free. This is God's end game. This is his plan from the beginning, to bear the punishment we cannot so that we can be with him. The punishment, the beatings, the whippings, they made him so weak and exhausted that he couldn't even carry his own cross. That was the normal custom. Who else would want to help carry a criminal's cross to have them crucified? The guards weren't going to do it. The people who wanted him killed certainly weren't going to help. The supporters of Jesus weren't going to help. So who does that leave? In verse 21, a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Could you imagine being Simon? Probably not how he thought his day was going to go. He just thought he was going to be, he was carrying a criminal's cross. This is what allows God's plan to keep moving forward. After all, in order for this plan to work, Jesus has to die. Jesus had been brutally beaten and tortured And that was just the start. And through all this, as he gets put on the cross in verse 23, Jesus refuses wine mixed with myrrh, which was a sedative at the time, to demonstrate his willingness to undergo the maximum suffering for us. He wanted to be in his right mind, be sober-minded while he went through this because he knew what he was doing. And although Jesus is innocent, he was given a criminal's death. Verse 27 says they crucified two rebels with him. On the cross, his charge was king of the Jews. 
Mark wants to emphasize and show us that he did that he died like any other criminal. And he died a criminal's death, which was so undeserving. In this moment, we see the three groups that have been mentioned in previous teachings. The followers who are hopeful, the crowds who are expecting something. The opposition is antagonizing, but all of it in the hopes of one last miracle. If he is the son of God, then surely God wouldn't want him to die. God would want to save him. How selfish they are thinking it is about him and the internal focus. It has always been about everyone else. God loves us so much that he is willing to have his son die for our sake to be the fulfillment of God's plan. The transformation of Christ in our life comes when we realize that our life is not ours, but a gift from God, which he paid for. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said, not your will, not my will, but your will. This is why Jesus came. You know, most people know the saying, you only live once. Well, have you ever thought that you only die once too? We won't live forever. We are going to die. Our physical bodies will die. Why not trust in Jesus who has already died for you, for everyone? Why not trust in him? Jesus had now been on the cross for about three hours. Darkness has fallen. Jesus cries out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabathani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is quoting Psalm 22, 1. But also in this moment, Jesus is taking on the sin of all mankind. He is the one being separated from God so that we can become close to him. This is the end game and has always been. This is what has been planned for over 2,000 years. This is why Jesus came, not to save himself, but to save everyone else. And nothing was going to stop him from accomplishing it. Jesus lovingly, willingly sacrifices his relationship with God so that we can have the relationships we were meant to have from the beginning. He takes on the punishment so we don't have to. And in that moment, God looks away because he cannot stand sin. Darkness thinks that it has won by having the Son of God killed. It thinks that it has overcome the light of the world. And how often does it, does it seem that we have been defeated? Darkness, hopelessness, loneliness seem like the only way to live. And it consumes us. But that is why Jesus died, so that we can have light and hope and relationship with him. I drank, I partied to fill a void in my life. I can never fill the void in my own way. Nothing would ever satisfy. God had to be the one to replace my emptiness with his fullness. So I ask you to let him fill you up today. 
Do not let the darkness think it has won because it hasn't when we believe in Jesus. And while Jesus is breathing his last breath, the curtain of the temple is torn. The curtain had represented our separation from God. This is what God had been trying to restore. And the first person to realize the separation from God was no more was the centurion, our final character. He has been front row center to God's end game to rescue all mankind. In verse 39, when the centurion who stood there saw how he died, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. In this moment, an outsider, a guard on duty, taking part in the crucifixion of Jesus, an unworthy nobody, recognized that Jesus had died. And he sees the Son of God. It isn't until we see who Jesus is on the cross that we understand. Because the centurion, man, he gets it. He gets it. There was no one to evangelize to him, no one preaching at him. There was no altar call in this moment. He saw the brutality of what Jesus went through, how he went through it, played a role even in it, and saw the Son of God. He saw Jesus willingly, lovingly, taking the punishment of death we all deserved so that we could be back in the presence of our Creator once again. Be like the centurion. See who Jesus is because of what he went through for your sake. You see, it will never matter how good you are, how much fame, fortune, knowledge, degrees, wisdom, you name it, you cannot save yourself. Nothing can. It is impossible. There's no void in our life that we can fill ourselves that will save us. Believe me, I've tried. I've tried many different things. And I know firsthand how Jesus' death is enough. Let it be enough for you today. He did it for you. He did it for us to save us. Let him save you as he did me. Don't be pressured by what others say around you. Once all my friends were stripped away, what I found is a local church. God gave me new friends to walk me through what a relationship is. I had to be willing to give up to lay down all those things and let Jesus take the lead. I was finally able to enjoy the access God has given us through Jesus, and you can too. If the centurion can see God in that moment, you can too. He is here to save everyone. And so we've seen how the religious leaders had knowledge, power, prestige, yet did not want to be saved and only to save themselves. And they hated Jesus because he wanted to save them. Please don't be like them. Let Jesus save you. We have seen how Pilate lets an innocent man be sent to death row because he caved to the pressure around him. Please do not cave to the pressures around you to share him, to know him, to go deep with him. Don't be like Pilate. We have seen how Barabbas has been set free because Jesus willingly went with the, with the guards who first captured him. And all Barabbas had to do was walk away to walk away into his freedom. Please walk into the freedom that Jesus Christ offers. 
we saw how the centurion, the most unlikely of people, was the first one to see Jesus for who he is. And that is exactly what God had set out to do. For his son to die for each of us. For us to see Jesus as the son of God, as the only way to bring us back into relationship with him. That the separation is no more because he died for us. Now that he has done it, it is up to each of us to respond. Whether for the first time or to remind yourself of how to live for him. How to choose him each and every day or lay down how we think we should be and seek him in all things and in all ways. Now, this may have been the end game to rescue all of mankind, but this is not the end. Death is not the end. And on that cliffhanger, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you lovingly, willingly sacrificed yourself so that each one of us could be set free. And I know firsthand what it looks like when we let you in, when we choose you, Lord. And I pray that every person listening will, will choose you, Lord Jesus. That they will see everything that, that you went through on the cross to set us free, to bring us back into relationship with you, Lord. I pray that we can enjoy that access that we have because of that. The temple, the curtain in the temple has been torn, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. May we live a life pleasing and worthy of your sacrifice, Lord. May we give up all the things and may you strip us away of all the things that hold us back to get to see you for who you really are and all that you went through. May you bring us closer and closer to you because you died for us. And in your name I pray, amen.